Welcome to the podcast from Plow to Plate with founder and farmer Sam Lucy, who alongside his wife Brooke operate Bluebird Grain Farms in the Methow Valley in north central Washington state, growing, processing, and marketing organic grains. All right, another episode of Plow to Plate with Sam Lucy. The topic today is water. We've been putting a pin in water now every episode. <laughs> Apparently, it's quite complicated. Yes. Yes, it definitely plays a part in all these operations. So where would you start? Everybody that is lives in the West is familiar with the uh, saying, which, you know, more wars have been fought over water and other things, I, I shouldn't say. But water is major, and we are seeing... We see that in this valley. And interestingly, mm-hmm. speaking of regenerative, water is a hard thing to regenerate. Yeah. The Ogallala Aquifer, which sits beneath eight states, the High Plains states, starting in Texas and running up through to South Dakota. The Ogallala Aquifer is responsible for 30% of the entire nation's irrigation application. In this area, actually, one-sixth I want to say that again. One-sixth of the world's grain production takes place in the high plains. Unfortunately, it's being used up much faster than it can recharge, and it's been this. That's been the case for a long time here in the states. And the federal government has mandated states try to come up with ways to deal with this deficit and manage their own extractions. Unfortunately, again, uh, the states are sort of, um, how shall I say, they're, they're trying to monitor an orderly depletion as opposed to a sustainable use. For instance, are they encouraging uh, less intensive cropping? Uh, if they were, they wouldn't be using as much water, uh, improving the soil tilt, regenerative agriculture, right? Uh, um, using less water. So I think this episode, let's see how important it is to use a bunch of water to grow good crops. The water laws in this valley have been written a long time ago, and they were written for use it or lose it, and the incentive is to use more water generally than what you would need. And you can look at some of the old water rights. I have some of those water rights on our property. Far more water than is used by anyone that's farmed there, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that some of the things I'm going to say, most people are going to get a little squeamish about because everybody likes to use their water. Mm -hmm. And it's going to tie directly to the health of your soil, how much water you really need to use. Most of the world's food is not grown with supplemental irrigation. That Mm. is a luxury that has been developed where it can be, Mm -hmm. where there is water sources generally... But let's look at the Midwest. Soon after the Dust Bowl, there was talk of how to keep the soil in place, besides better farming practices. But that water has been all pumped out of the Agua Aquifer. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Which is now going dry. Yeah. Or is certainly getting contaminated with the runoff nitrogen that wasn't getting used. But uh, locally, I personally could see the writing on the wall as far as water. More people, more water is going to be needed. There's going to be pressure on who uses it and why. And so that was one of the reasons I began growing grain, as opposed to a very championed crop around here, alfalfa, which requires a lot of water Mm -hmm. and probably was brought in originally because we have the sun, 
in the dry weather to not only grow it, but generally harvest it in good fashion. And we had a lot of water. Yeah. But moving forward, are we going to continue to have that water? And do we want to continue to grow a crop that then obviously gets cycled through animals? So it's kind of a bigger step process before you get food out of it, Mm -hmm. whether it stays in the valley or not. So that's complicated in its own right. But we do use the water on our grain. We use a lot less of it. And it's more about timing. We also test our water because we are using it in place of rain. We need to know the properties of the water as much as we need to know the properties of the soil. The availability of those nutrients is when the water goes through your soil. And the properties of the water can change the makeup of the nutrients available in your soil like that in an inch of water. And there's a fundamental difference between rainwater and irrigation water. I mean, one, you're either taking it out of the river or out of the ground. And rain kind of washes a lot of carbon dioxide and so on out of the air, which is... uh, good for plants and probably not present in irrigation water. Very different properties. And there's different ditches or diversion points around the valley. You get different water qualities, believe it or not. And some of the waters are very high in bicarbonates, and that's not a good thing because what that does is it actually ties up the nutrients in your soil, particularly calcium, which can lead to tension in the soil. Yes, you're talking about that. Compaction is the primary inhibitor of food production in the world in the whole world yep and that is caused by a number of things we touched on but Mm -hmm. overwatering or flooding is certainly one of them wrong use of steel in the fields lots of chemicals Mm -hmm. those all cause compaction and you have tense soil so that's why it's important to keep that biology going and keep the tilt of the soil going If your soil is pliant and mellow, you don't need the water. If your soil and your your ground is hard, that's tying up even more nutrients, and you're going down the wrong path. In the basin here, Mm -hmm. you've maybe seen them do this, the big tanks sitting next to the pivots, Mm -hmm. and you don't only see it off-gassing, but you smell it. Oh, yes, I have smelled it. It smells like rotten eggs. Lovely (laughs) smell, yes. Something you never want to associate with your food. Now, organically, we can't use sulfuric acid. I don't know that a lot of people would want that on their food. Um, (laughs) No. At the same time, if you are are watering with that uh, hard water, you are tying up the soil so we can put more on... (laughs) Of what's being tied up. Say your calcium's getting tied up. I've had this happen to me. We can make up for that by putting more calcium on. But that's a Band-Aid, and it's very expensive. Mm -hmm. And it's not really what you want to be doing. So I would rather go in the direction of adding more biology to that soil, whether it's through composting or chicken manure or Mm -hmm. liquid fish, and mellowing that soil out so that I don't need to use the amount of water I was because the ground has much better retention when it has the right tilt. Mm -hmm. And I know farmers, my partner in North Dakota, grew a 60-bushel average crop on his farm. He grows a lot of crops, corn as well as other annuals. He grew a 60-bushel average on his 5,000-acre farm this year, and he had three inches of rain between March and September. Wow. That's paying attention to the soil. Yeah. 
And that's when regenerative organic agriculture shines, is when they are adverse conditions, yeah. drought. So he had three inches. You irrigate. About how many inches do you think you use? It depends on the spring, the soil profile in the spring. It really does. A quick answer is I generally would use 10 to 12 inches of supplemental water on the grain. Some years I've used as little as four. Some years I've probably mm-hmm. used 14. Okay. Uh, so that compares to an alfalfa crop is easily around 30. Okay. Um, so upshot of that, though, is re- these regenerative techniques will yield a healthier soil conditions, which require less water. Require less water, and the timing of the water is perhaps more critical than the quantity. Mm-hmm. And so the years I've watered very little, I've had a lot of water from nature. So I don't I test my soil profile and see where it's at. Grain's a shallow-rooted crop. So you don't want to water so much that you're washing the nutrients out of the root zone, mm-hmm. which can happen. Um, alfalfa is much deeper rooted. You can soak the ground, and it's down there getting it. The grain, you don't need the moisture beyond the root zone, really. How deep are your roots? Well, essentially, I don't believe I've had a crop where a grain will go more than a couple of feet. That's pretty deep. That's still pretty deep. But that's a mature, good plant that's gone down with feelers. Mm -hmm. We plant the grain about two to three inches deep. There again, in the spring, I do not use any water to get the crop germinated. I want to work the soil to bring up what moisture is there to the root zone, Mm -hmm. which you can do in most springs with the cultipac or harrows. Mm -hmm. You actually bring up moisture because it's down there. And you want it right in that seed bed. So we like to do that, plant it into the natural moisture, and we try not to water it for a while and let Mm -hmm. it come up on its own and kind of literally root for itself. Mm -hmm. Because then when drought hits, harsher conditions, you haven't babied it. It's developed its roots. Another thing, if you just start watering away right off, your roots don't develop because they don't need to. The water's right there all the Mm -hmm. time. And then by the time they start going down, you've got a layer of compaction, potentially. So it is about timing. It's about the properties of the water itself and the soil. But it all comes back to having healthy soil so you aren't using as much water. And the water can be there for the fish or your neighbors or go back out to the ocean. I don't think we need to use it just because it's here. Uh, Another thing, and speaking specifically to our crops uh, and back to the land-raised grains, they don't necessarily like a ton of water. So if we're going to water those crops, once they start to head out, you kind of pass your window because otherwise you're just starting to knock them down. And so we will fill the profile a little earlier with extra water than we would if we were growing one of the more modern wheats that are bred to be short and shorter and not lodge as much mm-hmm. uh, unless they have excess nitrogen mm-hmm. and you can get by with watering them later into the season when they are headed out even when they're filling and i've read that you know if you water at certain stages during the actual fill time of the head you can increase the filling of the head but you don't want to compromise the quality of the kernels and like with grapes i believe you want to stress that plant at a certain time so that it mines 
those sugars and those mm-hmm. those trace minerals. This is the trace minerals really play into creating the nutrients and the taste of that food, mm-hmm. just like a good wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I always come back to, the flavor profile ends up being denser, richer. I'm, I'm after the flavor. I'm a consumer of yeah, your Yeah, pro- well, that's what food's about. There's no question with watering and potentially overwatering, you can increase yields of your crops. It'll weigh more. True. <laughs> but, but will it taste better? <laughs> What's the nutritional value of that yeah. crop? That's the key. And, of course, there's standards in conventional ag for yeah. everything. And uh, we have our own standards for our, our ancient grains. Mostly that standard is return business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? And people like you who say, I eat it because it tastes good. Yep. <laughs> and so it is, it's about uh, when it comes time to gather around, break bread, you want to eat good food. And we know you need sun, minerals, and water to grow food. Mm-hmm. I think those three components that we've been covering here are the premise of taste and nutrition. Yeah. Getting to know your food. Getting to know your food. Yeah. Bluebird Grain Farms, your source for the finest 100% certified organic ancient grains, fresh milled flour, and whole grain handcrafted blends. Bluebird's products are sown, harvested, and sun cured with care and milled to order on the farm here in the Meadow Valley in northern Washington so that you can enjoy the most delicious plow to package grain that money can buy. Check out the website, w.com bluebirdgrainfarm.com where you can learn more about their farming practices and shop on their online retail store for ancient grain products, local honey, sourdough starters, monthly grain CSA subscriptions, gift boxes, and more. That's bluebirdgrainfarm.com.